0: To get started, I want you to turn, please, to a verse in your Bible in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. Hope. Hope in the world of business. Hope in the world of business. Notice these words. From the Apostle Paul, verse 10, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we, speaking of those who have received Jesus as Savior and Lord, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. That's good to know that he has been working on us. He is working on us. And he's going to keep right on where we are works in progress. Can I get a witness? You know? Would you just look over at your significant other and just say, You are a work in progress? And I see you as a work in progress. Say that, better say that back to the other one so that there can be some patience extended where some patience need to be extended this morning. We are His workmanship, but the point is not that I'm working on myself. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm trying harder. The point is that He is working in me and on me, and He wants to work through me. We are His workmanship. We are His workmanship. Then he says, after that one statement, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works. Now, the word good is used often in the New Testament. It means good in the sense of morally and ethically good, but it also means useful, utilitarian as with its purpose helpful, it can mean excellent, it can mean beautiful, it can mean all of those things, those kinds of meanings that we need to be a part of how we do what we do when we go to work. Good works. Good works, which he prepared beforehand. The good being the the excellent, the useful, the helpful, the practical. But the works part, that means means the things we do with our hands, the hands that pick up tools, the hands that type things. it's, It's works that happen as a result of our brain functioning. And I don't want anybody to throw a book at me, a Bible at me, or a purse, ladies, at me when I say this, but these kinds of works do not necessarily have to have anything at all to do with church, anything at all to do with your devotional life or with um, preaching behind a pulpit or singing behind a microphone. It's what we do with the giftedness and the tools that God has given us, unique to us, peculiarly manufactured and wired for his purposes to accomplish good things and useful things and excellent and beautiful things. Jesus would say, you let your light shine before men so that they may see your same word, good works, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now they may not have a clue where that light within you, that ability to do what you do, that ability to figure stuff out and hang tough in something everybody's wanting to check out and how you're, you just seem to know how to relate to difficult people and build a team and build a consensus and, and work it together for a desired end. They may not know where that comes from, but as a child of the Lord, as a born again, son and daughter in the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that the stuff we happen to be good at comes from the good father who has made us good at those things. It may be knowing how to wire stuff, it may be knowing how to write stuff, it may be knowing how to do all kinds of different things, created, in Christ Jesus for good works. And watch this, which he prepared beforehand. In other words, the Lord who saved you is not surprised by where you work. You don't have to inform him of a change of address from this business to this business. Good works, which he prepared, Beforehand, which we, should, which we should walk in them. Certainly there is the spiritual application of that, that, that we are the spiritual parents of our, of our children and we're the spiritual brothers and sisters of those that we're, we're knit with in the body of Jesus Christ. Certainly it has the spiritual application, but I'm convinced that it definitely, just as Joseph was designed for that specific point in time to, to, to come in under Pharaoh's, covering and blessing to do what he did during that season of difficulty in the egyptian economy just as daniel was at a strategic point in time when nebuchadnezzar of all people needed an advisor to help him figure out how to manage his kingdom and do what he would do daniel was brought forth good works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them i'm going to I'm gonna shift this, I, I, know we, I know we're here today waiting for the Bluebell half gallons to be passed out. I have, I have my request in for two or three cartons of the Southern Blackberry Cobbler uh, variety actually. But, okay, but before we get there and, and have Ricky come and speak to us a minute, I, I, want to, I want to say just this word about good works prepared beforehand. That there is a gentleman in this house this morning who happens to be the father of Ricky Dixon, who is Dr. Richard Dixon, Dick Dixon. He and his wife Peggy are here along with their entire clan right here on these two or three rows right here. We would not be, Shirley and I, humanly speaking, would not be in San Antonio, would have not come to San Antonio 32 years ago if it had not been for that man right there, Dr. Dick Dixon. I sure am glad they're applauding Dick, I, it, it, you know, we've, we've known other settings, um, but we were in Amarillo Texas and pastoring a wonderful Southern Baptist church there and the Lord was doing some wonderful things and the Dick was a member of the pulpit committee, that's what it's called, when a Baptist church goes looking for another pastor to come to their place. and. Dick was a part of a pulpit committee from the First Baptist Church in San Antonio here. And he some way or another showed up at a service or two up in, in Amarillo, and it was a feeling of a congregation, a lot like the Alamo City congregation. And some way or another, even without me realizing that the Lord knit Dick's heart with, with what was going on up there and began to be an advocate for us with that committee and eventually with the church. And so as, as it worked out, we, we moved here. We, we came here and served in that capacity as the pastor of the First Baptist Church, San Antonio, Texas, for four years, and then Alamo City was born out of, out of that. I, I don't know that it would be listed anywhere in, in Dick's resume of things or the script that he thought would be written for his life, but, but Shirley and I are absolutely convinced that God had positioned Dick Dixon at that point in the process of things, and if you're any way familiar with with the way Baptist churches can work, there is an, there, there is there is quite an ornate uh, procedure, I might call it that, for for getting certain things done. The least of which would not be the call of the senior pastor. But it happened, and Dick was there, and Dick was the voice, and Dick was the encourager, and and I, I just want to publicly say to Dick and to Peggy that that. Whatever good there has come, and there have been some other things, I know, along the way, difficult things that, 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 have, that would have happened over time. Um, not everyone might be, have been happy about in the, the way things resulted, but the, our coming here and the birth of Alamo City and all the fruit that has come forth since then directly, directly do to God using you in that situation and setting 32 years ago. And I want you all to hear that, do I don't want Dick and Peggy to know that, and they're true. We, we firmly believe that. So when, and that's, it's worthy of applause from, from in their direction. It, it truly is. Here's, here's, the, here's the rest of that story, the bigger picture. The Lord has you positioned, God has you placed where he wants you to be. He he takes even the difficult places, the hard places, and if you won't give up on him, and we learn this over time, if we don't give up on him, if we don't quit, if we don't begin to fall into such doubt that we, we question everything, if we'll just give God time, he can take even the most difficult circumstance and situation and bring it into something that has beauty in it and has purpose in it and from that place of great difficulty and heartache and challenge multitudes of folks can be encouraged and be blessed and the life of the Lord Jesus can be seen even in a place of death even in a place of great sorrow and extended suffering now how about that for an introduction Ricky I, you know um, no, I, I want you to I'm going to sit down here and, and, and I want Ricky to come and just speak out of his heart to family. Now, he, he, um, he's, the, he's the vice president of sales and marketing and a member of the board of directors for Bluebell Ice Cream. Now, that may sound like a, a, a wonderful job to have, but there was a time in the not-too-recent past, not-too-distant past, where that was anything but an easy place to be. He'll fill us in on some of those details, but it was like the Texas soil beneath our feet began to shake and move, and great caverns, precipitous, difficult areas to cross over now were before our very eyes when bluebell ice cream was taken off the shelves <laughs> of H-E-B. I mean, I, I, it, was, it was like we needed to go and check and see if the Alamo was still standing or if there was still a lone star on our flag, how could anything as solid, as stable, as loved and all of those words we can add to it like bluebell would be gone in our lifetime. We expected to tell our children and our children's children, our children's children's children about this amazing ice cream that you could get only. In Texas, well, we scattered it out into maybe Oklahoma a little bit and a few other spots around. But how could it be? And yet even with that happening, here's his title, okay? He's Vice President of Sales and Marketing. When the Listeria News spread... Which means, I mean, if if there was, if you could draw a circle, Ricky, I'm I'm sure you, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it seems like just looking at your title and what happened, if you could draw a circle, create a, a bullseye, a, a crosshair, for a lightning bolt to hit, on a, on on Bluebell, on a company like that, and you have to be in the very middle of it, it would be in sales and marketing when when the theory thing happened, because sales they had to, they had to make decisions to to remove um, the ice cream and the sales ceased. But Ricky was there by design for the purpose of the Lord. And you're going to hear that in just a second, if I'll just shut up. <laughs> oh, 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 I heard an amen. I heard an amen. <laughs> Can hear, let me give you this. Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen. I want you to listen for yourself in what Ricky has to say. Listen for yourself in what he has to say. Listen to a brother in Christ who found himself in a professional business freefall, at no fault of his own. And he then has to represent the company, represent the company, the business, to the press and to the watching world and to participate in creating a solution for the dilemma. Then I want you to listen for this. Here's the third thing. I want you to listen for the things that he brought to the table when Bluebell hired him 35 years ago, things that Bluebell didn't give him, that promotion couldn't produce, but qualities at work in him because of Jesus in him and the Word of God alive in him that made him an asset to the company when the bottom fell out. Anybody can quit. Few. But those of real metal and inner strength will stand. You have the ability as a Christian to be that which your company may need the absolute worst. When the bottom falls out, and everybody is running for cover. I want you to welcome to Alamo City Vice President of Sales and Marketing, days are looking better now, with uh, Mr. Ricky Dixon. Would you welcome him and we'll listen to you gladly.
1: I, I can hear you go on and on and on. good <laughs> stuff. Wow, what an introduction. Uh, I tell you, can that man preach? <laughs> The star on the flag, wow, <laughs> that is something that's up there. It's great to be here, and, and David, it's it's so good to, to be back. It's hard to believe. It's been a, the years have uh, really flown by. Uh, maybe not the last few, but the years right before the last few. I got to admit, uh, I was a little worried. Now I got to tell him myself a little bit. Now David, David's a hunter, as y'all I guess know, and. Uh, I've got to tell a a quick story of... I was worried, to be honest with you. The last time David and I hunted together, we we just recently connected back up. But prior to that, um, we went hunting. Uh, In fact, my dad and I were asked to go hunting. And we picked a great day. We met about 4.30 in the morning. And it was raining about the average of an inch to two inches an hour, it seemed like. Noah was working on the boat. Uh, (laughs) And we got in the car, our truck, and David said y'all sure y'all really want to do this? And we said, of course we want to do this. this, this while we're here. It's great weather. And this when you go, honey? And he looked at us and said, no, this is not when you normally go, honey, but we're going to go anyway. And so we, we went out and um, got to the lease. And as, as the, the son in the group, I was the guy that got out of the truck and we'd get the gates to open, you know. So it just so happened that day, I, I wore the wrong shoes. Uh, these shoes were like, uh, well, they didn't have any real traction to him, And so as I get to the end of the truck, I hit some kind of a white caliche mess. I go flying up in the air, land on my back, kind of takes the wind out of me. It's dark. They don't even know where I've gone. They think I've probably gone back into the house. And let's just say from that moment on, I'd say throughout the day, I don't know if there is a record of falling during a hunt, but I, I think I own the record because I, I, I literally kept falling throughout the day. But it really kind of came to a point when... Um, We dropped uh, dad off at one of the stands, and we're going to go try to find uh, a deer. And we we come upon some, and David said, get out, let's get in position. And so he goes out the left, I go out the right, and unbeknownst again to me, there's a big puddle of water. (laughs) And I go straight down literally all the way, face, gun, everything, under the water. And by the time David comes around, I'm coming out doing my Rambo impression, the best Rambo. (laughs) And I hear those famous, famous words that still stick to me today son, 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 son. And I knew then we needed to head back home. But uh, I tell that because uh, we had a great time. And, and no, we did not get a deer. Dad got a deer. I did not get a deer. I was on the ground uh, most of the time uh, uh, trying to figure out why in the world I wore these shoes. But it was a great, great memory. And the fact that he called not only to, to have me join him again in the hunt, but also to, to come today, it's just a real honor. I, I'll be honest, this is the first time really stepping out. Uh, the last two years have been a journey. There's no question, and I'll uh, run through that uh, to kind of give you a picture because there, there really is a story behind it. Anytime God is working in your life, there's a story, and God's working all the time. So, uh, you know, you get close to him, and, and really hunker down in the good times and the bad times. It, it can be a, a tremendous journey, um, to, to say the least. I, I did start with Bluebell, gosh, it's uh, 36 years ago. Uh, my journey, though, with Bluebell actually goes prior to that. I uh, chased a girl to Baylor, of all things. I told Dad that I was really going for their football program, He told me that that was probably not a good excuse at the time. they were, I guess they really haven't, never mind on that. Uh, We got to Baylor and uh, one of the first semesters, uh, one of the first classes that I took, I had to follow a company and throughout the whole semester on how they relate to a consumer. And so I did what normally a college student would do, I called back home, got dad on the phone, what do I do? And he said, I happen to be reading an article right now out of Texas Monthly on this ice cream company down in Brenham, Texas. And I didn't know where Brenham was. And I grew up here in San Antonio, went to Waco. We didn't have Blue Bell ice cream in San Antonio or Waco. I thought it sounded like a Blue Bell. I didn't quite understand, but I thought this could be a lot of fun. That's how I connected with Blue Bell. I called and went down, did a quick interview with him, wrote the paper, and was really taken by what I saw. And what I mean by that is the culture that was at Blue Bell. Uh, The way I was received... Now, I hadn't really interviewed anywhere. I think my best job going into Bluebell was selling Cokes up and down the stairs of the San Antonio Spurs, and I was proud of that job, but uh, I would say that going into a corporate America job, Bluebell itself was uh, just really an eye-opener, but there was something about it. Now, you don't grow up hoping one day that, man, I'm going to sell ice cream, I I mean, personally. It sounds like a great idea, but... uh, you get a truck and get good music and go up and down the streets and <laughs> but there was something about Bluebell that really pulled me in and uh i was thinking about either going into public relations or or advertising or or ice cream and so i chose the ice cream and thinking well if it doesn't work out that i'll i'll go to the other but god had a plan and in in that time at baylor and then coming out of baylor i immediately went to work uh for the creamery the culture was everything that i was hoping for and that i expected Uh, The way the top, I would say, or the way the management operated, we've never really gone big on titles. We're family. We all have a role to do. We have a job to do. And one thing that really stuck out and really has stuck out through the 36 years that I've been there is we've never said, what is it going to take to be number one? Which is kind of an unusual thing. But what I hear constantly over and over and over is what it's gonna to take to be the very best you can be day in and day out. I don't care what the job is that you do because every single role in the, in the plant, in the sales department and throughout makes the whole thing work. And so it's to be the very best you can be. Work hard, sense by the end. It's just the, really the, the basic rules of business. And they've stayed that way through, through the entire time. Uh, the passion that comes with ice cream, and I'm still amazed, and I did call just a minute ago, we got a truck on the way, a southern blackberry cobbler may be tough, but uh, we got at least two half gallons going to David, um, <laughs> if not three. <laughs> uh, but the passion is just, it, you know, it has really been amazing to see uh, how people gravitate to whatever the flavor it might be. And you know, I think the thing that's interesting is whether it be good times, bad times, Ice cream is, is a reward. But more than importantly, it takes you somewhere. It takes you back to a memory of somewhere as a child, or it could be the memory you're eating it right then. Uh, one of the letters, we get letters all the time from people. But the one that sticks out to me, and it really has stayed with me, was a letter a lady wrote the day her grandfather actually passed away. I mean, literally, literally that morning. The letter started out saying, dear Bluebell, this morning my grandfather passed away. His name was Paul. You see, Paul was an interesting uh, individual. He loved Bluebell. Bell, he, in fact, to the point where he had his own freezer, and that's all he kept in it was Bluebell ice cream. I knew right then I missed Paul. I mean, I didn't ever meet him, but I knew that this, this kind of guy I got to get to know. Uh, and when you went to visit Paul, he would always say, what flavor of ice cream would you like? And either you'd tell him or if you didn't tell him, he'd go get a flavor that he thought you needed. Well, as Paul got older, he got Alzheimer's. And as he um, digressed and got to the point where he couldn't remember who he he was and who other people were, in fact, he couldn't even remember Bluebell, even at that point, as his grandchildren, we would bring him his homemade vanilla in the afternoon. And during that time, for just that brief point, we got our Paul back. And, you know, when you read that kind of a letter... You shut the door. You don't want anybody to come in. You have to kind of regroup. And I know it's just ice cream, and it's just a job. It's more than that. It's, it's what you do. And as David said, it's what God has He's placed you in a position and placed you in a place to do everything you can do to make a difference. And so uh, that's, that story has, has really just stayed with me to say that people out there, uh, you don't want to disappoint because it means it matters that much. The journey's been incredible. Um, we were not in San Antonio until 1984. I started up in Dallas. We came down here. In 1989 is when I, I guess the, was the prodigal and got shipped out to Oklahoma and went from Oklahoma up to Kansas City, back to Oklahoma, and then to Brunham. And so um, as a company, our, our our growth has been steady. It's, again, never been one to how fast we can get to whatever It's taking on the next market and and being the very best we can be in those particular markets. Then the day that came two years ago, 2015 started just like any other year. We um, kicked the year off, had high expectations. We were in about 29% of the country, 23 states we either were completely in or we touched. I think we went to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I think that pretty much covers the whole state even though you're only in one town if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) And then the call came in. And I know that there are many people in here today that have that had that call. It can be uh, a death, it can be news of of an illness, it can be a loss of a job. But you've had that call. And and really today, I want to make sure that this isn't a bluebell story other than what God is doing in our lives. Because what we have gone through and what we're going through can, can be put in to whatever that call is for you. Um, it was stunning, I, I, I'll be honest. You go through all the emotions, uh, you know, first disbelief. There's no way we have Listeria. There's just, no, you know, uh, it's impossible. And to have it go from a machine to, to a plant to two plants and in those weeks that we're trying to decide, uh, you know, the, the steps to take, when it finally came down to the decision to pull everything completely out of the market, and when I say everything out of the market, it's not just those uh, 29% of the country that I talked about, but we, we sell products to commissaries all over the world. We sell product down in Mexico. We literally had to say, stop, time out. And that's extremely difficult to do, but that's the only thing we knew to do. And so during that period of time to just really regroup, You strip down everything, and in those quiet days during the summer of of how many people can we hold on to, and in the years that we'd been in business, we celebrate 110 years this year. We had never had a layoff in the company's history up until this point. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of tears being shed. How do you survive? How do you get to the other side? How can you get back? How can you get those people back? God, what do you want us to do? And I remember so many uh, the phone calls that we would make to talk to the FDA and talk to the different organizations that we would look upon each other and say, before we do this, let's pray. Uh, our president, Paul Kruse, was, uh, a couple of times looked over and said, you got a 30 second one in you? We'd be right before the big call and you bet I do. Let's do this. But um, we basically stripped down everything. Now, you've probably heard and seen all kind of reports and- this isn't a platform today to try to go and answer them by any means, but I will tell you that a lot of what you've seen and read has been twisted, turned in a way to make it look good. And yet our, our whole plan through the whole thing is keep focused. Keep your head to the ground, do what's right, and we will get through this. And I truly believe that that's the, uh, the walking in the path that God lays out for us is, is that very thing. Stay true to who you are, the world is gonna hate. The haters are gonna hate. But at the same time, we've got God. So, you, you know, with that in mind, it'll na- enable us to really get after what we needed to do. We took the floors out. I mean, literally took the floors out. We took the tiles off the wall. We took the ceiling tiles down. We took all the equipment out and we started rebuilding. And throughout the whole summer, uh, we worked around the clock to make this happen. In the fall of uh, 15, We were able to go back into Houston. We were making five flavors. Not Southern Blackberry yet. (laughs) But uh, our biggest problem is that uh, we have a bakery and we have a kitchen. In the bakery, we make a lot of our inclusions and wafers. That bakery still hasn't opened. And same with the uh, kitchen where we make chocolate sauces and all the different things that go great in the ice cream. So we've worked with different companies in the country to... um, to be able to get the flavors that we have. We have a complete line of take-home snacks that are still not out there. But as you can see, and I tell you that to just show you that the steps that have to go back into being the best you can be at everything that you do. So it's been a journey, uh, to say the least. Um, It's a trial, uh, just like any trial. Um, It's, you you know, it, again, takes the wind out of you. Through my life, the two verses that come to me immediately is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and 1 John 5, 14, and 15. Philippians talks about don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and praise and petition. almost forgot it. <laughs> Present your request to the Lord and the peace of God, the peace of God, passes all understanding, regard your heart and your mind. And in First John, talking about the confidence, this is the confidence that we have to go to God: is that if we ask whatever it is in His will, that we He He hears us. We have the confidence that He hears us, and we have what we've asked. And to say those words, "Your will be done," whatever that is, to get to a point where it's not a religion. Walking as a Christian is just that; it's a relationship. And so, when you're at those points in your life where you are really truly devastated. And, and, and David said it right. When you're like, wow, can, can you do this? Every time you walk in the door, what, what are you going to be faced with? That peace, when it comes upon you, it's an incredible feeling. I, I relate it to, I, I ran track when I was in high school and college, I was a whopping 125. That was my weight. Um, up until I started working for an ice cream company. Uh, no. No. Um, <laughs> But I ran long distance. My thing was just keep running. And when they finally quit behind me, then that was the race that I wanted. And so, uh, but when you run and you get to a point, if you ran three, four, five miles in a day, you get to a point in that where you feel like you just can't go any further. I've run all I need to run in things that go on in your mind. And then all of a sudden you have that second wind. And that second win, and for those who have ever experienced it, it's an an incredible feeling. In fact, it's almost a better energy that you have than you had when you first started. That is the peace of God that passes all understanding. That is the feeling when Christ just wraps his arms around you and says, we got this. There was a point earlier in my life that I had gone through a really, really bad uh, time. And um, we've talked a lot about Dad, who means the world to me. But he had sent me, unbeknownst that it came from from Dad. Was a little plaque, and when I opened it, it said, "Ricky, trust me, I have everything under control." Jesus. And I didn't know where it came from. I thought, "Wow, what a message!" And I learned later that Dad had sent it to me. But you know, to this day, I know that that message came from my father. Yeah. And and so, in the middle of all of what we've gone through. Um, it brings you back to that point where you have that second wind. Um, the other story that came to my mind that I, I heard recently were uh, three women that were having a Bible study got to uh, Malachi 3. And in the study, it talks about uh, the refiner, that he shall sit as refiner and purif- uh, a, a, a purify of silver. It's talking about God sitting as the refiner, purifying silver. And one of the ladies decided to go talk to a silversmith to find out more about what that really truly meant. So she went out and she met with a silversmith and he went through the whole process and she asked him, do you have to watch it the entire time? And he said, it's critical because if you don't pay attention and it stays in even one degree too hot or too long, The silver is hurt. And she thought, that's that's exactly what God does with us. We may not understand why we're in the struggle that we're in. We may not understand the trial that we're at. But we know that God knows it and that he's watching. And the last thing she said as she left, she said, how do you know when it's ready? And he says, you know when you pull it out and I can see my reflection in it. Pretty powerful words. So the trials that do come, they're there, they're, they're going to come in our lives in all shapes and sizes and forms, but knowing that there's a God that loves us beyond what we can comprehend, and he's watching, and he is going through that purifying process to where when we're pulled out, his reflection is what we see. I go back to Paul, and when I thought of that story, I thought that's the very thing that they were seeing in Paul was what was taking place with the ice cream. More importantly, in our lives, it's what Christ does in work when, when you go to work and not just preaching but living. It's not what you're saying, it's what you're doing, and you're being watched and, and everything that you say and do. And so, I've been fortunate to work for a company that allows us to live our faith, not just necessarily talk it. We live in a world that seems to be constantly changing, constantly uh, telling you what you can and can't do. Focuses on Christ and with that we can get through it. I finished with a hunting story that I started with David. I finished with one with my dad uh, again in, as a little kid and I know he's heard the story many a time but it's it stayed with me. I don't know, it' was four or five years old, and so hunting with dad was being with dad. It necessarily wasn't what big animal, you know, we were shooting at. It was just the fact that you were spending the time. But the key of hunting when you go out is to be quiet, obviously, so the deer don't run from you. And so we'd get out of the car early in the morning, and we'd be walking to uh, to the stand. And he would kind of keep looking back. He'd need to be quiet. He'd be quiet, and you're stepping on sticks, and you're doing what you do when you're four years old. And finally you get the point that you can tell, look, it's time to be quiet. And so I noticed as I walked behind him that if I would step in the step that he would just have stepped in, if it was quiet, then it'd be quiet for me being smaller and younger. And so I would try to step each step. Now being younger, the steps were further out, but yet it would stretch me, but I had to stay focused. And with a flashlight, you can only see the next step. And I've thought about that through my whole life. That's how God works. He gives us enough light, and He gives us enough um, assurance as He walks us through. If we will just step where He's leading us, from step to step to step, then we'll accomplish what He's trying to do in our lives. I don't know. I. I um, I know that Romans 12 and um, 15, Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Being patient in tribulation is probably the hardest thing that you can do because when you're in it, you want out of it. But when you're in it and you can get to the point where you hit that second wind and no matter how painful uh, the news may be when you, when you know that he's there and you have that peace that passes all understanding, it's an incredible, incredible feeling. God is good. I don't know what tomorrow holds with Bluebell. Yeah. I can sure hope. I got to get Southern Blackberry Cobbler out. <laughs> but what I do know is God knows. He's got us all in control. He, he knows the next steps are going to take place. But I do know that as uh, the position that I'm in, and, and I've got a brother here that also works for the company has done an exceptional job, uh, we, we talk a lot together that God is good and we're going to just place our faith and whatever comes next, comes next. I can't help but think that somewhere down the line we're going to be taking ice cream to heaven and it's going to be homemade vanilla. <laughs> and um, I cannot thank you enough for allowing me to come today, David, and speak in my heart about uh, God in the workplace, having faith as we journey through this, the good times and the bad. Thank you very much. Good. Good,
0: good, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Okay, How many of you could hear something of yourself in what Ricky was saying? Was And are there a few things that, that you could say that gave him the ability to walk this season out in his life professionally, that there were some characteristics already at work in him that Bluebell didn't give him? Did some of that come through? You know, you, a company can tell you You need to be diligent. A company can tell you you need to do your best. A company can tell you we appreciate it when you're a team player and not always identifying negative and problems. But the company cannot give those things to you. A promotion, vice president or whatever, cannot give you what only the Lord by His Spirit can put within you. Abraham Lincoln made the statement, I will prepare and my time, my time will come. I will prepare and my time will come. It's the obscure place, brothers and sisters, in Jesus. It's the hidden place. It's the times in your life when nobody else may know what's going on in you with regard to the choices at work in you, but just you and your Lord. Those are the places where God is shaping you and tooling you for the bigger places. You will never be what you want to be in the big places and the public places if you've not been willing to let the Lord work those characteristics into your life in the hidden places, in the quiet places. A believer in Jesus over time is going to learn how to hunker down and just stay put. Having done all else, having done everything, Paul said, stand firm. The world is made up of shifting, sanded people who just, if it doesn't fit right, if it doesn't feel right, if I don't like it, if somebody rubs me wrong, I'm out of here, I'm out of here, I'm out of here. You don't build greatness. You don't build companies. You don't build any kind of organization on folks who can't hunker down and stay put and not quit. Now Rick has such a gracious way about him and a smile about him and and you would think you know well, that as nice as that guy looks and as nice as that guy sounds, then he must never have really been hurt all that bad. He may never really know what has never known what it is to really be through it. But if you knew the other side, the rest of his personal story that even in preparation and prior to, and maybe it was preparation on the Lord's plan, but prior to the, the thing happening at a Bluebell, he had had to walk through some things in his personal life where only the Lord Jesus could have given him the ability to hold steady and to keep trusting and to keep walking and to not live in bitterness, but to be able to live in forgiveness. You, you, we, can, we can analyze those things in different ways, but, I, but I'm just telling you, it it all is woven together in the plan of the Lord. What God enables you to do privately, what he gives you strength for privately, he can also give it to you in a company, in a business, in a broader relationship. He He, he shows us things in the deeply personal places, and he proves that he's, shown us those things by putting us in more public places. By his spirit, by his grace, that's how it works. That's how it happens. So, so what is the hope in the business world? The hope is that it isn't, it isn't that our well, the first thing, is our, our business is not my life. Business is not the whole world. It's a part of my world, but it's not my whole world. The one who has my life also has my heart. And he proves his reality day by day in the good things as well as in the challenging things. And we're going to come back to this, Lord willing, next, next Sunday to spend some more time. I, I want to talk to you next week about, okay, so, so. I don't work for a company where the, where the CEO will say, you got a 30-second prayer and I got a CEO that he, I don't even know if he knows what prayer is. I mean, you you talk about, you talk about debauched, you talk about godless, you talk about reprobate. You know, here's my company name. That's who I work for. What about that? What about that? I'll tell you, there's some places in the scripture that are so amazingly clear that it may not be about God blessing that company, But it is about God taking care of you and that you have the right to pray, Lord, take care of this place, somehow bless this place, make your presence known in this place, but somehow help us to make a living. Because Lord, if this company makes a living, then I'm gonna make a living. And the Lord knows who you're responsible for. He knows who you take care of. What if the only reason some reprobate, knuckleheaded, if sorry excuse for a business is still afloat is because you're there. It's because God is taking care of you by keeping that business afloat. In case you're wondering where I get that, just write this one down and we'll come back to it next week. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 8 and seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare." What city is that? Babylon. Who was the king of Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar. What did Nebuchadnezzar and his armies do? breach the walls of Jerusalem, plunder the temple, slaughter hundreds of thousands perhaps, and haul off into slave, enslaved captivity another multi- And it was to that group that Jeremiah is writing, and he's saying, you pray for the welfare of Babylon, because in Babylon's welfare, you will have welfare. The Lord was more concerned about taking care of his faithful remnant in Babylon than he was necessarily how it went with Babylon. The Lord is concerned about you. And when we invite him and allow him to be the center of our lives and turn everything over to him, he's just able to make his presence known in amazing ways. Now, here's how we're going to end this today. I, and as you've, as you've heard, Ricky, and you've, your, your heart has been stirred in some places, and you know, you're thinking, man, my business, I, I, the company I work for, the business I have, I, you know, it, it, it could go belly up, or it could be stronger, I'm not sure what, but God, I want you in the middle of this. I, I want you, I want to know that you are in the middle of my professional life, and I want to surrender, I want to give to you that which you've given me the ability to do, and I'm a place to do it in. I want to invite those of you to step, stand up, step out into an aisle and come forward with your business, with your professional life on the front burner of your heart. And I want to invite Ricky to come back and to just pray over us, to pray over you. Pray over us together as we, Lord, as we bring our business life to you, as we bring our professional life to you, and just ask him to pray as the Lord would lead him to pray. Fair enough? Let's stand together, all of us, if we could, as we close. But would you step out and make your way specifically, specifically, bringing your business and your your desire for your professional life to be conducted in a way that honors the Lord? You're bringing your business to the Lord. You're bringing your company to the Lord. Y'all, so we'll just let's kind of move in a little little closer, and um, we'll give you time to give you time to get here. Very good. Maybe some students, maybe some Baylor students or UTSA students about ready to graduate and you just, you want to give that, this coming part of your life to the Lord, whatever, however you would be impressed and and let's do that. Recuse your Okay,
1: Father, first and foremost, we thank you for this day and for your love for us. a love that we just cannot comprehend. We thank you so much for your patience, and we beg for your forgiveness when we fail you. As we look at the workplace and as we do go out, Lord, we just ask that you just give us the assurance that not just to what we say, but what we do and everything that we do, we do it to honor you. And that again, when people see us, they see you. The world will yell and scream and tell us that we're wrong. In uh, a time in our culture that it's hard to be bold, to tell us to sit back and be quiet I just pray that, Lord, that for everybody that's here and those that have come forward, that just bring the peace and a boldness Mm -hmm. that we can look back and not preach but love and that your love shines through and that we will not bow down, that we will not step away, that we will not go into hiding, but that we will boldly stand for you and trust you, Lord, trust you. That whatever the circumstance, whatever takes place, that we know that you are in control. And We pray that this world, this 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 city, this this community, this country, mm-hmm. will have an unbelievable revival to seek you. We praise you for that. We ex- we go and come expecting that uh, we can have that, and again, the peace then that comes. Uh, we have nothing to be ashamed of, and I am not ashamed of the gospel, and I will stand firm yes Lord. yes, Lord. and look at the enemy and say, you know, I've read the book, and I know how it ends, and I just, um, I just praise you, Lord, today for all those that are here. I praise you for what you're doing in each life. And again, just ask that you guide and direct every step and stretch us in a way, but knowing that we've got your hand, lead us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: God bless you. God bless you.
1: Take it to him. Take it to him. Take it to him.